All right, so welcome to episode two of the Footy Chat. We got a couple new guys joining us finally, but before we get into that, cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. 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 Ah. <laughs> So I am your host, Justin Chambers. Returning again is... Gusset. And... RP. And uh, joining us finally, our guest's brother, actually. Jason. And uh, a new friend of, the, of mine and ours. Uh, Anthony. Welcome, Thank gentlemen. You. Thank you. We can make it this time. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm never too sure if like there's going to be enough stuff to talk about, but obviously we always get... You know, oh, yeah. found it out snowballs. by that. <laughs> so, uh, early this week, after uh, a few games, some news came out from The Guardian. They'd run a report recently about, uh, well, basically slavery in Qatar. Right, Jay? Uh, there's reports of there's uh, at least 44 workers have died between uh, June 8th and August, or sorry, June 4th and August 8th. There's evidence of forced labor. Uh, Nepalese men have not been paid for months, their passports been confiscated. Uh, access to free drinking water has been denied on some occasions. And so, of course, World Cup officials and Qatari officials, they're trying to say, oh, no, 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 the, like, this, isn't gonna, this isn't part of our, our projects. Uh, this isn't happening on our projects. But, Jay, I, like, what, what's your interpretation of what's going on? Well, I mean, as a footy chat virgin, I couldn't think of a better topic to pop my cherry on. <laughs> First and foremost, if the reports that are coming out of Qatar come across as shocking or surprising to anyone, you need to get your fucking heads out of the gutter. I'm not, to be, I'm not about to go all Johnny Armchair activists on y'all, but uh, honestly, the revelations and exploitation of slave labor is hardly holy grail worthy. I mean, man the beacons. Let's get Peter Mansbridge and the National on, uh, on standby right now. We have a doozy of a story coming out of the Middle East. Don't get me wrong. The turn a blind eye somewhat universally neglected yet accepted social construct of manual slave labor is an atrocity, but let's just be grateful that these stories get exposed in the first place. And with the advent of information technology, if you want to help, then help spread the awareness and click that fucking mouse button of yours till you wear the tip of your index finger down to the bone. It's a mutated social, political, slash geographical, capitalistic formula which is regurgitated year in, year out in parts of the world in which regulation is non-existent. It is a recipe for disaster that feeds the rich and starves the poor. But really, is this something new? Who do you think built South Africa 2010? And who do you think is building Rio as we currently speak right now? This goes deeper than footy and the World Cup. But yeah, I think the beautiful game is sure turned out good. <laughs> Sounds beautiful. Yeah, one thing just to, uh, just to add on that. Um, the lack of water um, given to the employees, and we, yeah, well, we got to remember. Call them that. <laughs> <laughs> we we got to remember these guys are working in 110 degree temperatures. They're talking of moving this World Cup to the winter so the players aren't drowning in heat exhaustion and collapsing on the field. Right. And these these people are working 10, 12 hours a day in this smoldering heat and just not be able to be uh, properly nourished, that, that's it's ridiculous. So, Paul. Well, th this is one thing I've been wondering. Like, for, First, it was the heat, and, and now it, 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 this claims the slavery. Like, How many more things can possibly go wrong with this, this World Cup that is so many years away? 
before they finally just pulled the plug, which everyone has been calling for since since before it was even uh, awarded. In a location that just seems like it was a arbitrarily chosen, like as if Seth Blatter himself threw a fucking dart at the fucking globe. I just don't understand all everything that's uh, that that is involved with this. And I mean, the, the reports that are coming out of it, it just doesn't seem like nothing is adding up here, so. But really, like, does, does it really make a difference, you know, that, is, is it any different than you going and buying a shirt from Bangladesh, you know, mm. knowing that that shirt was probably made with, like, you know, three or four people dying? Like, is, is it really any different? Like, we, we have to understand that this goes on in all concepts of life, not only in footy, right? And I know that's what we're talking about, so it's relative to, you know, this subject. But, you know, unfortunately, we, we're kind of the problem here, you know, we, we, we contribute to this every day. Exactly. So, you know, no. this, is, this is only like a byproduct of, of like Western capitalism, really, right? And, you know, it, it, like you said, it ha it's going to happen in Rio, it happened in South Africa, and, you know, it's happening again. It's just that, uh, you know, a major British tabloid published it, and now, you know, all of a sudden we're all up in arms. So, you know, let's, let's kind of like, you know, flip the coin here a little bit too. Also, I heard that uh, the information wasn't hard to come by. It wasn't hard to see that these people were being overworked, not being paid, forget being underpaid, which they definitely are, but not being paid completely. Like, that's just, that's uh, mind-boggling. It's, it's quite unreal. Well, it, you know, we try to pull away from a little bit of <coughs> anger and hostility to start this <laughs> off. But, uh, to a bit more of a possibly sort of uplift, well, not uplifting, but just a... Lighter topic? A lighter topic, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Diego Torres, he's a writer for El Pay in, uh, in Spain. He, he recently uh, released a book. It's called Prepare to Lose, the Mourinho Era. Um, the big thing about this story is that Jose Mourinho cried when David Moyes was handed the job at Manchester United. This is a fact? Well, this, you know, it, 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 <laughs> yeah, is, yeah. it is a, Spain rep a yeah, Spanish yeah. reporter. So. Are, are, are they any better in, in Spain than in Britain? Or like, is it like kind of the same thing? Well, I don't, you have a, like with a Marca, and what's the other one? Uh, Barcelona's. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's no different than the Guardian or the Mirror or like any of those. But yeah, continue. Yeah. <laughs> any relation to Fernando Torres? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, order. spare me the fucking crocodile tears. That's all I have to say. I I just wonder. Okay, did 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 United uh, like did they did they foresee the fact that they were going to have a, a whole new culture change that? One, maybe they didn't want someone like Mourinho in charge because uh, he jumped ship so often. I have a, uh, a theory. It's kind of out of left field here about the appointment of Moyes. I, I think that it might have been handpicked by Ferguson himself, knowingly that Moyes would fail at the helm. I get that. Thus, making Ferguson's accomplishments look that much better. That, that makes... Quite a bit of sense. And when, when Moyes came in, he brought a whole new staff with him and uh, pretty much, you know, dumped these, these uh, coaches that have been around United for, you know, the better part of Ferguson's tenure. And, uh, yeah, so essentially the same squad. Right. And bottom of the table, 12th, seven points. <laughs> You stole one of my topics, but I mean, personally, though, I, I, I don't think that uh, Ferguson would have such an ulterior motive. Um, I mean, his accolades just kind of speak for themselves. He kind of, the way he presents himself, he does seem like a Manchester United is him, so he would never really want to see them 
falter regardless of his own. No, I mean, there's always going to be some unknown unknowns and anxious anticipation whenever a new manager comes and takes over the helm of a revered club such as Manchester United. However, like, I don't think the Fergulous hangover should be in such a recuperating state that it is in right now. I would have never anticipated that. No, the, the, the funny thing is, is that and David Moyes spent, I think, 11 years at, at Everton. Is that correct? I think it was 11 seasons at Everton, Everton. trying to get Everton above United. Well, he's done that just now, and Everton is above United. Like so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> funny how yeah. things work well, out, right? Yeah, because Martinez is <laughs> still only undefeated team in the Premier League. Yeah, I know. The only Castle today, 3-2. Yeah. And it has to be said... Oh, just to go back on the Mourinho thing, who scored two goals with an exactly. assist today, Lukaku, Lukaku. <laughs> yeah. right? So, I mean, you, you could argue that Everton are a better side under Martinez. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah. Martinez so. does play good football, you know, like, let's be honest, for, for a team, uh, you know, like Wigan to, to do so well, you know, arguably winning yeah. a cup, that, that's a pretty good achievement. Well, but. he won... Let's just say Martinez won. Like, what is what does uh, Moyes have? He has well, a exactly. community shield, exactly, which right. means absolutely nothing. What does Moyes have? You know, he he spent eleven seasons at Everton, and, and he's he got didn't a, win anything. And and you I think know, he's got a sec a second Scottish league promotion. Yeah, yeah. Well, and just going back <laughs> exactly <laughs> whatever. <laughs> going back for a second, uh, Moyes actually ignored like Moyes ignored Fergie's pleas go on, go on, to keep his backroom staff intact. Uh, he's he just decided no, I, I'm going to bring in my own guys. And like Jay said, like this club, realistically, they won the Premiership last year. They they shouldn't be in this state, being in 12th place this early in the season. And I recently just read somewhere where Moy said he has too deep of a bench to choose from. I mean, I'm sorry, but that is a problem any manager would want. No shit. <laughs> in, in fairness, I have a lot of friends that support United, and like. You know, they draw my friends. <laughs> no, honestly, a few of them are actual supporters, you know, since day one. And, you know, one of them brought up a good point about, you know, squad rotation and how Moyes isn't actually using his squad. I mean, what is a, you know, a guy like Kagawa, what does it take for him to get, you know, minutes in at United? When, right. You know, he did so well at Dortmund. And, you know, he's a fantastic player. Anyone that watched him at Dortmund would know that. And anyone that watched him last season would know that. You know, but he can't make... You can't make United, and, and you look at the, the players they're playing week in, week out, and you really question what Moy's tactics are or, right. or his, maybe his relationship with the players. We're not really sure, right? We're from the outside looking in, so it's, you know, it's hard to say. Uh, but Yeah, I also think that he doesn't really come from a winning culture, right? When he was at the helm at Everton, they're, they're more of a team that, that were there to frustrate their opponents, right? They, they didn't go in as favorites every week to, to win the game, and... That, that, that's that's difficult for a manager to to change, and like you can't just gain this winning mentality and just start beating teams. Like, I, I don't know. I think uh, like what we talked about earlier about the whole attitude change of right uh, Manchester. I, I so this is obviously huge speculation going forward. But do you think at some point, somewhere in the future, Mourinho actually goes to United, be it for a season or ten? Less than likely. <laughs> I don't know if I could see it just because Mourinho likes to be loved. He's loved by one club in in uh, the Premier, and that's Chelsea. I don't really know if he would go to one of United's rivals to uh, to to just take a job. Okay. So. Mourinho does strike me as a manager who does have an ulterior motive and a set of hidden agenda, though. I, 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 I could see true. I could see him undertaking a job at Man United. 
You see it. However, to, I, I think also Mourinho has the shelf life of a banana, too. So I mean, I, I really don't see he doesn't stick around that, that, that as, as long as maybe you'd like him to to, to to make any sort of impact. However, he does have a couple championships. Uh, yeah, I don't. Part. I mean, personally, I don't see it happening. Like, it, you know, it's a drastic change to go between rivals. I mean, you've seen players do it, obviously. Managers, I'm not so mu- not so much. I mean, I don't know if you can really name any manager that's. You know, gone well, rivals. I mean, Mourinho was a translator at Barcelona. Okay. I so, mean, so <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, you're right. That's not a manager. Yeah. But he did have teeth. He did, you know, cut his teeth in the in the Spanish league. I mean, there's some great old pictures of you know uh, Pep and Mourinho's rivalry. There's some great old pictures of them, you know, in uh, in uh, Barcelona, just like early '90s, just. Both looking ridiculous, obviously. <laughs> both Just, with hair. Yeah, both with hair. <laughs> well, I think Mourinho still has some. But so continuing on the uh, the Mourinho uh, topics here, crisis averted. Chelsea two, Swindon Town nil. Opening <laughs> <laughs> up a bit for Chelsea now, and here's Mata, and Torres scores. Um, and then of course, uh, Anthony, I'm going to throw this to you. Um, what happened? Why, why didn't you guys win? 1-1. You know, to be fair, like, it was a game of two halves. You know, I watched a game, and um, we definitely played better in the first half, but we couldn't continue in the second half. And, you know, the, a little bit of the – I mean, we basically have half a new team here, you know, so that, that showed a bit, and the team, you know, wasn't functioning properly. I definitely did question um, a bit of AVB's uh, substitutions at halftime. Or not at halftime, but, you know, fo- following the first half. But mm-hmm. I understand his, his logic at the same time. You know, we were getting bossed, uh, bossed around, so he made that substitution for, for Chadley uh, in place of Townsend. Instead of, you know, I would have played a finesse player like Lamela, 30 million euro player sitting on the bench. Right. Because um, we needed some creativity. You know, Paulinho became invisible in the second half. I would have put on Sandro, to be honest. But, you know, like, I'm not the manager for a reason. And, you know, any, you know we, have, we have a pr- pretty decent record, you know, six games thus far throughout the season. So I, I can't really, you know, an ABB we trust, right? So, um, but Chelsea definitely played better in the second half. You know, funny enough, Torres actually right. changed the game, in my opinion, uh, very much so. Um, he's still a cunt, by the way. Uh, I don't know if anyone saw that scratch on Vertonghen. You got my, you got my vote uh, there. Yeah. It's okay. I, I don't know. If, yeah. really? so, and talking about key substitutions, uh, Juan Mata finally oh, absolutely. Gets, his, right. gets his due. Of course, of right? course. Which is, is mind-boggling in the first place on how he needs to prove himself yeah. to actually start in that lineup. Ridiculous, yeah. And, and, you know, like, just, just to go back to Mourinho here and, you know, tie these two topics yeah. together, it shows, you know, that ABB was actually building a solid team at Chelsea, but then they took it away from him. Fickle Chelsea fans, yeah, of course. Yeah. Just the way they, you Fickle know, criticized Chelsea Rafa. Owner. Of course, yeah. 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 You know, if, if they had a season like this, you know, if they started a season like this under Rafa, well, you know, <laughs> all hell broke loose, right? Oh, yeah. So put the special ones back. Exactly, right? So, I mean, it, it, it's, it's all a bit ironic, in my opinion, if you just look at, at, at everything going on. Well, they were saying last... Last year, I think Benitez had the exact same point total through the exact same amount of games as Mourinho had. Right. Yeah. I mean, how did that work out? <laughs> Benitez out. did well. Let's be honest. You <laughs> and know, and now, a good manager. Now I'm going to say he's got a better team at Napoli. Sure. And he's, yeah. he's showing it too. Oh yeah. And there was even a, they were interviewing Arsene Wenger today, was today or yesterday about uh, you know about the, the the tie tomorrow, and he even you know he admitted that Benitez was treated badly in the same yeah. way. He's, he's a good manager. He's even showing it with, uh, with Napoli now. Mm-hmm. And that he knows, I don't know, I could see Napoli beating Arsenal tomorrow. And I think 
Wenger kind of senses out of it. Yeah. I always want Arsenal to lose those. So. Yeah, yeah, me too. <laughs> but what, what, uh, what, what kind of like irritates me is how like Mourinho's going to get all of the, all, all the props, all, all, all the kudos for what he the way he's handled Juan Mata. Okay, I mean, like, for a, a stalwart starter as Juan Mata is, for him to have to prove himself, for him to have to prove himself and earn a spot back on that starting eleven is absolutely ridiculous. Yet, he, Mourinho's going to come across as the, the, this brilliant mastermind justifying the method to his madness. I'm sorry, but there are, the, 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 there are more proven and efficient methods to get your point across opposed from psychologically mind-fucking your players. And I just don't understand, I just don't get it, and, and really never... Fucking guys tricking me out. <laughs> well, not just that, but we're also talking Juan Mata was Chelsea Player of the Year right. two years in a row. Right. And you're telling me he's... To not even be starting, but there were games he wasn't even on the bench. He's sitting in the stands. Yeah, sitting in the stands. And I guess reports have indicated from Mourinho, the horse's mouth, that Juan Mata has re-earned his spot in the starting eleven. Like sand through the hourglass. Marvelous, magisterial. <laughs> These are the days of our lives. Like, give me a break. <laughs> Thanks, Ray. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Like, you look at a player like John Obi McKell, and he scored his first goal for Chelsea, I believe, like this past week. Um, and it was like his first one in his career. Yeah. Oh, Chelsea, yeah. Right, right, yeah. And, you and know, he still like, has more league goals than Torres. How is he starting you know, over it. Mata? You know, like, it's, it, it's, it's mind-boggling. And, you know, it, it, it kind of shows, like, Mourinho's, you know, negative tactics. You know, like, yeah. he's not that great of a manager. You know, he plays two defensive midfielders in Lampard and, and Mikel. And, like, you know, what... I don't know. For, a, for such a special manager, I would expect some, you know, optimistic... You know, tactics moving forward, right? In attack, like we've seen through Bayern, through Barca, you know, in the past like five, six years, right? I, I don't know. Personally, that's my opinion. Well, here's something I want to kind of tie in together. Um, we look at this week Aston Villa beat Man City 3 2 <laughs> in a pretty awesome match. Yeah. And then on the same, same token, Tottenham absolutely crushed Villa this week. Uh, but we kind of touched on this last weekend, or last week too, about how we were even surprised to see Tottenham already with so many new changes in the team that they're playing playing so well. I think, you know, like, to be fair to Villa, it was it was a battle of the benches. You know, it's it's a League Cup. Like, realistically, no matter what any manager says, who cares? You know, and it, there, was a, there were a lot of changes made in, in the two squads, so I, I don't know Villa's players by heart or anything, but, you know, there, you could clearly see that this was not a team that plays together week in, week out. Um, yeah, we smashed them because we have we have a good bench. You know, we have a solid squad through and through. Yeah, and that's what ABB's brought. But um, oh, and full credit to Daniel Levy as well, best chairman in the Premier League in my opinion. You know, definitely best uh, best haggler. Um, so um, you, you know, again, in fairness to Villa, you know that that's what that's what that midweek game was. Um, so you know, it's hard to to really say anything. Tying those two game. stories together, though, I'm, I'm more like uh, what fascinated me was the side story that involved uh, Tottenham's um, uh, uh, fullback, uh, pardon me if I got his name wrong, Vertonghen? Vertonghen. Vertonghen. I mean, like, his battle with Torres, that was the – I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. And uh, I don't know if you guys managed to, uh, to, to catch when he was in um, – when um, uh, Villa's uh, forward, Nicholas Helinas, beat him to the, to the long ball yeah. in the game, and then they were tangling, and then push came to shove. 
shoved King uh, Vertonghen pulling down his pants. It's <laughs> a uh, so, so good shot of that. But no, I'm like I'm liking this Vertonghen guy. That was guy. well played on the internet, yeah. Yeah, he's he's you know another product of the Ajax Academy, right? Like you, you look right, at how right. many players they you, you know they pumped out through the years, and it's incredible. Well, and, yeah, the new one. Uh, yeah, and you have Christian Mourinho Erickson. again. Yeah, he's he's going to be the con- common denominator here. You have Mourinho asking for his head. Well, look at your own right. player, man. Like, yeah, he, yeah, I he know. Scratch his face, like, yeah. dude. I mean, it's you know what it's. He was like pinching my cheek, like my Oma pinches it. Like I mean, like I just didn't really. Oh. You know what? In a game, and we see this all the time. You know, like everything is kind of like equal. Right. And you know, it might not be equal in in you know one specific game, but over the course of a season, it all evens itself out. You know, Spurs got two penalty kicks in the first two games of the season. We didn't have a single penalty all of last season. You know, so all these kind of things like even themselves the out. Game and checks and balances. You know, right. For sure. Right. I don't think you can say Vertonghen is better than Torres or, or you know no, vice versa. No. It's the same shit. Come on, man. So the referee tried to do his job, but you know, some players, they don't change, and especially foreign players when they come to England, they still keep their, um, their culture, uh, and uh, it's a disgrace that uh, you do that to a, to a person from, from your same job, I think it's a disgrace. Um, so even just moving on with like, the battle of the benches, I suppose, Dortmund this this week needed extra time to beat 1860 Munich. Saw that game. Oh yeah, sorry, Munich. I'm not so worried about the the result um, or them going to extra time to to win because it was a game that if they took their chances, it would have been five nothing. You know, they hit posts. They just they couldn't capitalize. What I'm actually more worried about that they had to play extra time. Already in in an early season where they where they're playing three games a week now, right. uh, the, that extra thirty minutes could be taxing when they already have a pretty depleted squad. Um, uh, Schmelzer, Royce were both nursing kind of thigh injuries. Uh, Gundogan's already out of the squad. He's probably out for another three to four weeks. So they're already thin in midfield. Sebastian Kells out. Hummels and uh, Subotic have had injury issues, Socrates injury issues, so they're already a depleted squad, so them needing extra time to win is not really the concern, more so than them playing the extra time, but as you saw on the weekend, they scored five goals <laughs> against Freiburg, and yeah, so it's they just... They made Freiburg their bitch, yeah. It, it's just <laughs> taking their chances, right? It, yeah. was, it was a game where if a ball was three inches the other way, it would have been 6 nothing. Right. It was just all the, all the goalposts, and, you know, everyone has those games where you just not And, I mean, score. He, even Klopp said, though, I think it's more political posturing than anything that that game is not going to be a cakewalk. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, what stole the story for me was 1860 Munchen's keeper... What's his name? Gabor Karali sweatpants. Yeah. Have you guys caught <laughs> right? that? This is yeah. circa grade four. Yeah. A company with grass stains and all. Like, I just don't understand. Get this guy some fucking later hosing or something. <laughs> but, I mean, like, this is a classic case of the Prince and the Pauper in Munich that you got going on right now. I could not believe that. I think he's from Hungary. He's probably not even Hungarian international. He's like 40 years old. But uh, uh, I, was, I was blown away when I saw those gray sweatpants. I'm pretty sure that was the first game that that 1860 Munchen sold out after mm-hmm. their very first game at the Allianz. Yeah. And that was mainly due to the 20,000 fans traveling from Dortmund. Dortmund. <laughs> right. 
Yeah, you know, it does look beautiful lit up in blue, though. It did look pretty nice. It's funny, like I was watching with my my 15 year old sister, and 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 in her league, imagine you know, like her her it's it's a competitive rep league, but you know the referee told her goalkeeper that you know on, on a game a couple of weeks ago when we had that rainy cold Saturday, she couldn't wear sweatpants. So to think that they can actually do this in professional games, <laughs> where is this FIFA regulation? <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know. I don't understand. Does but. your sister play in a FIFA <laughs> regulated league? Well, technically all. Ontario OSA is supposed to be FIFA regulated, so I mean it just you know begs the question. Do they have right? turban bands as well, or <laughs> wait, that's only Montreal. Right? Yeah, let's <laughs> that's, that's not right there. Um, well, over to the other side of uh, München then. Mueller, pretty sure that's a handball there, buddy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Handball. what handball? <laughs> <laughs> what Daniel Sturridge handball? <laughs> well, that was ball in hand. Um, but uh, Pizarro, uh, that that was a beautiful header. I hadn't. I haven't seen a guy attack a ball like that so vehemently in a long time. That was that was on a rope. Yeah, that was a laser beam of a header. I, yeah. I will I will give that uh, geezer that credit. I'm not sure if anybody saw this. Uh, it's obviously not big news over here, but Celtic, you know, the mighty Celtic, Boston Orton. Celtic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Larry Bird was uh, was in there. <laughs> yeah, actually, he might have been actually looking at this now, but they were knocked out by a second division club called Morton out of the cup in Scotland. Oh, you don't know Morton? <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Well, I think a lot of it is... World class. You know, they, they want to do better in the Champions League. That's where the money is. The money is not in the Scottish Cup. Yeah, I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I haven't checked the, the lineups for this match, right. per se, but, I mean... Either or, I don't think there's, it's any excuse. I mean, yeah, I do understand that you do, do need to reserve. Well, and, they got and Barcelona this energy. week. They do have Barcelona this week. And they did get they a result. They are confident that they're going to get a result. With Lionel I, Messi on the shelf. <laughs> However, the, the, uh, the Celtic up. match is a midweek thing. But one thing I'm kind of wondering, though, is obviously we don't, we don't follow the Scottish League as much as we do the other leagues. But uh, without having, just like, just like how Munich has become a better club because of Dortmund, now Celtic doesn't have that powerhouse of Rangers competing with them. So does that bring their level of ability and, and confidence? I think there's a lot of truth to that. No, actually. they have uh, Motherwell. <laughs> they have Aberdeen and Hearts. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't know. I think I just named a card game in a city no, I, in Seattle. I, uh, <laughs> I think, I think uh, a lot has to do with um, a rise of a club like Bayern that... If they didn't have Dortmund's success, Bayern wouldn't be the club they are today. There's no Bayern if there's no Dortmund. That's a, that's exactly, a lot to exactly say, right because yeah. Dortmund humiliated them for two years domestically, yeah. and besides buying their players, uh, they, they had to they had to strengthen their squad, right? Yeah. Because we're we're the record meisters. We have to, you know, we run Germany. We can't yeah. let other teams run Germany, in which you know the squad depth they have now. Is yeah, you need a you need like what Pep said. You can't you can't compete on three fronts with eleven players. You need a full squad, and they probably have the deepest squad in all of Europe. Cross. Oh, that's an excellent sliding from Thomas Muller. What a player! What a goal! They have they have players on the bench. They didn't. They don't even have Thiago and Götze. And look at their bench. They have Shakiri, Mueller, Cruz, uh, Pizarro, who just. Scores whenever he comes on. 
So <laughs> these are players, well, minus Pizarro. Those three players would walk into any squad in Europe and be their stars. Right. And they're sitting on the bench. So that squad depth is... And you know, Mourinho would be pissed, though. Yeah, as a staunch <laughs> Bayern supporter, I did not agree at all. And I was actually pissed off when they did get the recent, have the acquisition of Mario Gose. I do have a soft spot in Dortmund for my heart, and I always will. Right. But, I mean, uh, Mario Goetze, that's kind of another topic. But, I mean, he has yet to find a, a role in that starting 11. So even, when he, even when he sees the light of day on the pitch, he still looks a little bit lost and doesn't contribute to any sort of continuity within that team. Because he doesn't have Woody Inyo. Yeah. <laughs> Woody, like, Woody and Ho. Woody and Ho, <laughs> the best Twitter handle ever. I just thought he likes fucking bitches, but I guess he likes Woody Woodpecker. I guess I got two in the same, I guess. <laughs> this this actually makes me uh, want to bring up a sort of like family issue right now. Have you broke the news to your brother yet? Oh yeah, he knows. <laughs> via text. Via text. You you broke up with your brother in in Bayern via text? Yeah. <laughs> That's terrible. <laughs> no, I think he just saw all my tweets. Okay. No, no, I don't really. I don't really follow you too closely on Twitter. <laughs> However, you did kind of break it after. Uh, actually, it was a precursor to the Champions League final. After this game, I'm I'm, I'm black and yellow. I just didn't know you'd actually go through with it. And get Jays in the colors tonight. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I will say for the record, Dortmund was the first team that I actually supported in my youth when I was four years old. Um, raised. Raised in a German family, and um, I actually had a proclivity for the color yellow, so they attracted me. And one of my favorite German internationals, Andreas Muller, played for Dortmund. They were my favorite team, and, and I also rebelled against my Munich, my, my heavily Munich or heavily weighted side of the Munich family. And eventually, I conformed, and yeah, I kind of uh, switched switched shifts. <laughs> I don't really want to lead off every every match with a scoreline, so I thought this was a really interesting, uh, really interesting figure and stat. West, one of West Brom's goal scorers this weekend. Uh, I'm gonna probably pronounce it wrong. Sato Barahino. He earns 850 pounds a week. Well, it's not a bad wage. Thank God he's not a Nepalese manual labor. <laughs> <laughs> could be worse. Yeah, 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 could be worse. Does it give you that like slight glimpse of hope that maybe everything in this game is not about money? Yes, I, I, it's a, a, it's a very bit. good point. Very you know, good point. You, you can still it prove yourself like against a lot big of, clubs and some huge deltas though. Even in case he's on such a he's on the big stage. Right. For him to make that little like. Fuck! I make way more money than that guy, <laughs> and I don't make. I make peanuts here in, in Toronto, but like, I don't know. The, the, the question is, I think, who, how many managers knock on his door at the end of the season and ask for you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He he is due for for a huge raise. Yeah. I, actually, I, I did a little bit of research on uh, on on this player, and like, it seems like in all of his debuts, whether it's for a club team or for um, what he get called up for the international uh, team, that he actually performs on his debut. I see here on August uh, 27, 2013, he made his first start for West Brom in a League Cup tie against Newport County, went on to score a hat-trick. He then made his first league appearance for the Baggies when, when he came on as a substitute against Swansea City. Didn't really do nothing, but 27 days later, he scored his first Premier League goal and the winner in a 2-1 win against Manchester United at Old Trafford. In his international career, 
He made his. He got called up to the England under twenty one team, and he scored the game winner against Mold against Moldova. So I mean, if well, I'm this guy, I'm saying show me the fucking money. No, so the shit. the question is, I guess, is he going to be like another Ole Gunnar Solskjaer? You know, like mm. just an impact sub player who you know brings it when he's needed, right? And maybe he's not a starter, but maybe he is that that kind of impact sub that. You know, every every team needs those. Let's be honest. I mean, you know, Spurs have Jermaine Defoe, right? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. For well, sure, every for team sure. needs one Maybe of those. Maybe the only reason he gets paid in fifteen weeks is he's getting paid per minute or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fair. <laughs> we already got Sturridge, and he's looking pretty good. This week saw the return of the one and only Luis Suarez. Anybody else catch that at all? <laughs> No, I seem to have missed it. Or was I? <laughs> I didn't watch it. it didn't I caught it. <laughs> he uh, he happened to score a brace on his on his Premier League debut. Did he happen to show any T-shirts? He uh, two, I, I believe. I didn't, I didn't catch, I didn't <laughs> different ones. Time, right? Yeah, he showed two T-shirts. <laughs> <laughs> Something about a newborn baby and he, he, Lewis is back. Is he teething yet? Is the big question. <laughs> Rogers, Rogers is saying that uh, Sturridge and Suarez might be the best strike duo in the league. Um, I don't know if I'd say the best duo in the league. I yet. think we need to see a little bit more of them. I think the question is, who still plays four four two? Are we talking about Stone Age here? Or whoa, are we talking whoa, about whoa, modern whoa. football? Three uh, five two. <laughs> Back the fuck up. <laughs> well, I, Sturridge has been on fire this year. Netting goals with every part of his body, including yeah. his, his arm. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but uh, well, they should have let Suarez' first goal count then, and then it wouldn't have happened. <laughs> we, we need to see them play together consistently before you can tout them as the best duo in the league. Minus the last ten games, though, they've been playing together since the transfer window. Yeah, remember, like we got we got Suarez the last day of January, and they played together till what April tenth, April sixteenth was when the the biting incident happened. <laughs> Yeah, so they we we were like we were scoring goals like crazy the entire time that we were playing together with Coutinho also coming to the side and and Sturridge Sturridge has scored eight of the last twelve I think Liverpool goals yeah and obviously Suarez has had a couple now um, I don't know, from what I can tell they they've been netting a lot of goals since the two of them playing together. Yeah, I mean like <laughs> you know Stur- Sturridge is. I always like Sturridge, to be honest, even at Chelsea. It's, it's kind of a shame that, again, you know, another striker had to leave Chelsea to, you know, to be successful. And, uh, I mean, look, he's proving it at Liverpool already. And, you know, it, and it wasn't Mourinho that sent him no, out the door. No, of course not, because, you know, he's really not that special, as we've all kind of concluded here. But, <laughs> you know, Stur- Sturridge has done extremely well. I'm just, you know, kind of pissed that I didn't pick him in my fantasy team this year, considering he was so cheap at the beginning of the season, and now I can't afford him. I'm so, so glad he's been my captain <laughs> since week one. <laughs> <laughs> I watched that game through and through, and I mean, I think the score sheet is a little bit deceiving if you want to thoroughly kind of dissect Suarez's play. True. I mean, he scored two goals. Awesome. Both were handed to him. At the same time, there is a lot of rust that he has to shake off. Like he, he coughed up, he, he coughed up the ball, you know, in, in the 18-yard box, which almost led to a goal. Um, his passing wasn't as crisp, uh, but I mean, he, he, he has an eye for net. Right. right, and that's what I mean attributed to both of his goals. Don't get me wrong; I, I don't think it'll take him that long to uh, eventually reacclimatize to to the Premier League. But I think uh, there's 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 a, there's a lot of rust that he still needs to shake off. You, you could see like his positional sense is always there. He knows where he's. Where yeah, he needs yeah, to be. for sure, for sure. But I know too. Like he used to, like, he, he, he can it. dance around people, do little things, and 
this weekend he just kept losing the ball every time he tried something. So yeah. it's frustrating to see. Which again, that'll be eradicated upon like you know as soon as he gets more games under his belt. I mean, you saw that like midweek too when he played his when he first came back, right? He was he was rusty to say the least. But yeah. you know you have to expect that obviously not training with the, or not playing with the first team for oh. for X amount of weeks. Yeah, you know it's understandable. Let alone but, all the Arsenal transfer talk. He of he wanted out. Yeah, and then Madrid, you know, for like some part of the summer, apparently he was supposed to go there, and like, you know, again, British tabloids at its finest, right? But yeah. So yeah. you know, it, it's just a matter of time. But uh, let's be honest here, love him or hate him, Luis Suarez is is a fantastic striker. For sure. You know, every team would love to have him. You know. Yeah, you uh, hate to play against squad. them. You love to have of course, him. Of course, for sure. For sure. This weekend saw the Madrid derby. I I might have my dates wrong. But I believe this was the first time Atletico beat Madrid since 1999 in La Liga. However, they beat them in the Copa del Rey final last year. Last year, right? And uh, it has to be said that this wasn't an upset. Madrid did not have their footing in this game at all. You know, it's it's not a game where they dominated. They had all the possession. They had the chances. They just couldn't finish. It was a game that if you watched it. It could have been three or four nothing for Atletico. I mean, they they, they hit goalposts. They had they had the better chances. I uh, the well, there, there was a quote that came out from Ancelotti. I think it was today or yesterday, where he said they Madrid was playing too slow. Who's, whose fault is that? So you mean a hundred million euros for for Gareth Bale doesn't guarantee you a win every game, or <laughs> what, what does well, hundred million euros get you? These and days? eighty million for Ronaldo? What? Oh, yeah. Well, I also I think that. It's a case of too many cooks in the kitchen, where they sold Mesut Uzil, who is the most self, like selfless player I've ever seen. He, he could way. be walking the ball in the net, and he would it's pass it to Ronaldo <laughs> to let him yeah. to let him guide it over the line. Well, it's because he can't really like his vision's all fucked up. He was like <laughs> he, he can see everything on the field, and uh, uh, Diego Costa just just a striker's goal. I mean, just in on the net. So calm, just tucked it right away in that corner, which evens him with Messi for um, eight goals this year. So, but uh, what's what's great about this stat is he's he's at the top of the list with Messi, eight goals through twenty-one shots. I mean, that's efficiency that's right a there. Yeah. That's a good ratio. Whereas Ronaldo, six goals, sitting on sixty shots, ten percent. Whereas, like, that's just... Personally, I think Ronaldo is one of the most selfish players uh, selfish players there are. I think you there. can, like, take personally and, and, you know, include everyone on the planet <laughs> yeah. in that yeah. category. I mean, you have to love Ronnie, let's be honest. I mean, as, as again, you know, another, another player like Suarez, who you love to hate, right? But at the end of the day, you look at... Watch any YouTube compilation, and, and the man is phenomenal. I mean, well, his, his, his stats speak for themselves over the past you know, have you seen many years. Have fucking at, chewing gum trick? Oh yeah, oh, Ozil, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know, Ibra. In fairness, Ibra was the first to do that. I remember watching. Uh, I don't know if you guys remember when Joga Bonito commercials were first on TV. Oh, yeah. yeah, like about maybe six, seven, eight years ago or whatever it was. Um, I remember going on the website, on the Nike website, watching the Joga Bonito videos and watching Ibra actually do the do the same thing with his chewing gum. So, in fairness to to him, uh, yeah, Ibra, you were first, man. Well, also just uh, to go back to Diego Costa, he just received. A Spanish residency, so now he's eligible to play for Spain. He was called up for two friendlies with Brazil, and so 
What do you mean, the, Torres isn't going to get in the side anymore? <laughs> so, I mean, who, who do you pick? Who do you pick? Well, I mean, if you have Spain or Brazil both calling you to come play. That's a tough one. That is tough. That is a tough one. That is. Currently tied with Messi for the Pichichi Prize. That's uh, is that like the shortest man in the world award. <laughs> yeah, is that a fucking dance? <laughs> but you know what? What this, this, uh, what this win for Atletico means for just people that are fans of Madrid, Real Madrid, and Barcelona. They, that now they can say, oh yeah, you know, La Liga is not a two-horse race anymore. You know, because Atletico won. You know, they're perfect on the season, and. It, it kind of, it kind of leads me to another point which I want to make. Has the Premier League become the new Bundesliga in the sense of there's no top team now? You got four or five teams battling it out. Whereas that, that changeable. It's so that refreshing was, to see too. That was what the Bundesliga was for the past ten years. I mean, you have five different winners. Bayern seemed to have won every other year, and then you have Dortmund, Wolfsburg. Um, Leverkusen's always knocking on the doorstep. However, they've never won. Hence the nickname Neverkusen. Uh, who, who else was in there? Uh, Werder Bremen. So you, you've had five teams win the, win the Bundesliga in the last ten years. But now it's kind of seen to be... It's a, it's a two-race. But Le- Leverkusen's like there. Two-pony race. Yeah. I, th- I, I think, though, like, I don't know. Yeah, Leverkusen is up there. But still, I think Dortmund and Munich are... Light years ahead of them, but again, it's it, it makes for some. Good so football. it's it's interesting to see that how how the leagues change though, because right. it was always either it was pretty much united at the top for how many years? Well, Fergie's well, era, yeah. Well, but yeah. they're always up there, and it just seemed to be one other team always kind of. It, it well, it was like after after nineteen ninety, it was basically Arsenal and United. Yeah, for the longest time until two thousand five when Chelsea. Got in on the action, and then last couple years, City and everything. But and so, I mean, you, you could you could noise. open up the you can open up the the English uh, the English newspaper now mm-hmm. and be Arsenal, Liverpool at the top. Like you could be thinking you're reading a newspaper from 20 years ago. Hey man, Spurs are tied with Liverpool for that second spot. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, don't don't get used. Same to goal differential too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How does that work? Is it because like we scored more goals at home or something? You know or? what? I actually don't even know. I, I don't know what the second like denominator is after goal. Like after goal. maybe you have more goals for because you probably do. We haven't scored a lot of you know goals for in open play. We've conceded only two, but hmm. I think that's what it might be goals for. That's but that's you can check my facts on that. I'm not yeah, we sure. need a fact checker. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, we yeah. need somebody on fucking laptop. That's a wild guess. Hey, Art, yeah. Arturo? <laughs> <laughs> Anthony, one thing I did want to say, the one thing I do miss about uh, Ronaldo on YouTube is Special One TV, the little Ronnie puppet. From 40 From 40 You know, I was thinking about bringing that up today, and I didn't know, if, you know, I was hoping all you guys were real footy fans because you would have known that automatically <laughs> on Special One TV, you know. You know. I, I was playing yesterday uh, against my, I was playing FIFA against my buddy yesterday. And, 2014? Um, uh, no, 13. Oh. But, uh, but, you know, Soldado made a tackle at the back, and, you know, I was like, tracking, tracking, yeah. Soldado. <laughs> you know, like, that was the famous, like, Ronnie thing, right? So, you know, <laughs> uh, any, like, real footy fans always just make those references, like, subconsciously, and just, they just come out. You <laughs> yeah, know, yeah, 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 <laughs> it just yeah. happens, so. That's, I think that's why I like Mourinho, because of the actual, the, the Jose character. He's like, <laughs> yeah, of course, of course, <laughs> like a soft spot wherever. <laughs> well, no, big boss. So I, I guess kind of with, with Madrid, but 
Milan is going after Casillas. Do you see him moving after uh, last year's little fiasco there? It's, you know, honestly, it's such a weird scenario. Like, what do you think about this? You know, it, it, it's so strange. You know, the, arguably the best goalkeeper in the world. And I say arguably because, you know, everybody goes back and forth between him and Buffon and, like, whatever. I'm not here to argue that. Whatever, you know, they're both amazing yeah. goalkeepers. But, you know, it's, it's such a weird scenario to see him on the bench. And, you know, behind Diego Lopez, who is a fantastic goalkeeper. He's been you know, playing great well, this year. Yeah, you know, it, it, it's just a very strange scenario. And I, I really have no opinion on it. Nor, I don't even know how to see it, you know, so... I don't know. Well, yeah, like, uh, and who, AC Milan's going for him? Yeah. I mean, AC Milan, they've had a feeble start. Like, what, they're sitting in ninth position with a measly eight points? Better than United. But they got the yeah. Balotelli. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, who are their goalies? We have uh, their starting goalie, Christian Abietti, with 28 appearances. Kind of a little bit off topic here, but we might need to fact check this art. <laughs> uh, regarding Christian Abietti in September 2008 declared that he is a fascist <laughs> quote I am not ashamed to proclaim my political beliefs I share ideals of fascism such as the fatherland and the values of the catholic religion I wonder what he thinks about Mario Botelli <laughs> <laughs> Does that, uh, so is he going to take over at Sunderland from the Canyon then <laughs> <laughs> this banana gate all over again <laughs> Strike that from the record. <laughs> Fact check that, Art. <laughs> you guys know the song, they're uh, in Japanese, I think, and yeah, probably like yeah. masturbating. Um, I don't know, maybe, this, maybe this means that like the, the gunners are like are really into scat or something, but it looks like they're turning German. <laughs> it appears that way, and it goes a lot further than just their first team. Uh, they started with uh, recruiting Murtisacker and Let's be real. He was he was on a Werder Bremen team. A that pylon. Was, that, that was really going <laughs> a pylon. That was that was going downhill. I mean, they lost Uziel to to uh, Madrid at the time, and they, they, they were going downhill. So uh, they recruited Murdersacker. They recruited Podolski, and not not the top names of, of the German football, but I think it's also it's also just to get a German culture around there. You don't think Uziel, when he was trying to pick his new su suitor, thought, oh, great, there's some guys on this team that I can speak to. Mm -hmm. So, you know, they, they recruit these three players, and uh, but it also goes a little deeper. I mean, Serge uh, Gnabry, uh, they bought him from Stuttgart at the age of 16 for only $100,000, who he's, you know, great player. He's breaking his way into the first team. Thomas Eisfeld, Bought from Dortmund, and but it also goes even a little deeper than that. Berlin-born defender uh, Leander Seaman, nice 16-year-old. Uh, so he's playing for the under-19s. Also, 16-year-old Gedeon Zelel. How do you pronounce that? Gedeon Zel Zeleman. Yeah, he played in the Asia Tour. For Arsenal, but he's a 16-year-old Ethiopian German-born midfielder. Okay, Don Cherry, get to the major yeah. players he's trying to get to. And so this all leads to a German culture um, being brought into the Gunners, trying to lure away um, Gundogan from Dortmund, Marco Royce from Dortmund, and his biggest target right now is Lars Bender from uh, Leverkusen. It's not a rumor. <laughs> <laughs> so. I, I think he, it's a strategy to infuse, you know, kind of lesser Germans to kind of get the big, 
the, the big fish. So that's that that's what I think anyways. It's So did did Arson just realize, you know, the French weren't doing it for him, so he switched to the Germans? Like Yeah, he has a fetish for the Germans, but right. like I, I don't understand if he does manage to somehow convince or coerce those players that you're speaking of. We're talking Lars Bender, Marco Royce, who else do we met? Schmelzer? No, uh Gundogan. Gundogan. Those three players alone inserted into that Arsenal lineup would I would love I would love to see it, but I would hate to see it at the same time. Like I would love to see what the Premier what the Premier League would transmogrify into, but I would hate to see that for Dortmund, the, the impact that that would have on Dortmund. Well, it, it's an interesting thing that like you bring it up about like Wenger going away from the French because like the Invincibles team, it was French. majority French yeah. players, yeah. Yeah. and it's and he's always kind of kept that you know that that culture because obviously he is French. He's always had those French players, but it seems weird that now he's suddenly going German, and you you also kind of look at the Premiership too, like as he's bringing all, as he was bringing all these French players. There was a lot of French players around the league as well. Does this mean that we're going to start seeing more German players kind German of come into the, into the Premier League? I, I hope not. As I come from, like, I, I, rather, I like domesticating my players. Um, but that's a personal bias that I have. I mean, I do like some of the German internationals that are playing in La Liga in the Premiership, you know, to give them more of a, of a solid base and foundation. But uh, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Massimo Moratti, <laughs> Zinocell Inter. I know we're all sad about this. <laughs> we probably don't even care. Is he going to fucking sell it to like Gordon Gecko? <laughs> <laughs> I got a, the, a league that's just entrenched with like, like corruption that's not even like questioned. Right. It, it, it's, it's expected. It's, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's almost a given. It's, 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 it's the norm over there. So, I mean... Well, yeah, you look, you look at Berlusconi, he got, uh, he was, he was, the fuck word am I looking for right now? Uh, he, he was found guilty, and, and then he goes on television and, and saying, this is bullshit that you find me guilty, and, dude, you don't have to go to prison, you're under house arrest. Like, in Italy, they just yeah. get away with, like, house I mean, arrest the, the, would the, not the even. Juventus debacle, like, what, like, they got relegated to, what, third division? Yeah. Like that's fucking crazy, and then the, the the they redeemed themselves and all. Like arguably one of the best teams in Europe, I thought the year that they came back and redeemed themselves. But you know, it's funny because only in Italy, I think, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, I think only in Italy would you see um, a prime minister who is also a club owner. Right. Like, well, how does that happen? And you no know, now conflict he, of interest whatsoever. No, not not at all, right? And you know, he's still in the Senate, I believe. You can also fact check that. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure he's also in the Senate. So. You know, how, how do these things happen? You know, we, we talk about keeping politics out of football and out of all things, yeah, you know, yeah, to be honest. Yeah, but, yeah. But, you know, how, how do these things happen? And let's not even go on to that topic, but it's just, that's a rhetorical question. How do these things happen? Yeah. Should it, they shouldn't. So, I mean, who's he going to set, who, who's Morati going to sell it to? I don't know. You look at, <laughs> you just look at the fan support there. It's just, it's non-existent. You, you've been oh, talking about yeah. they, they gang up together and they do it monkey is. chants together and they throw bananas. And <laughs> they, it's embarrassing well, watching a game. That's why Kevin Prince Boateng left, uh, left, left Milan. Was, he was sick of the racism. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's, it is embarrassing. I mean, you, you have a, a pro league that is drawing draw under 5,000 people to a game? Like, yeah. you, 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 you would turn on the TV and you... Th- 
you would think they were playing the game behind closed doors, that they had some type of stadium ban. But no. Yeah. Well, <laughs> mind you, that is, that is typical in Italy too, though. <laughs> that is, yeah, you're right about that. <laughs> but it's just, how can you get excited when you're playing, playing for 2,000 people? And, and it's not even like fun to watch. Set. I mean, the Syria, like Syria, has its faults, and I, me personally, I cannot watch more than five, ten minutes of it yeah, because know. of the the antics, the the the, the diving it's and, and all that thing. shit. But I mean, like, there's no atmosphere at all. Like, oh, when you, when the when it pans out and you see the the empty, the empty it's almost like the Emirates, like eh? No, no atmosphere it, it, at all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the library, yes. hybrid the library. You got Sorry, it, man. Piers Morgan. <laughs> but I will again say hey, for the record, I am a bandwagon Gooners fan. <laughs> I think you're sitting I, across the room, man. Like, I, I, I used to be a Spurs fan back when Klinsman was playing for us. Now, I know you guys all follow the, uh, the Turk Cell Super League. Oh, yeah. Um, Love that league. I kind of wish Emery was... Uh, Where's Emery? I wish Emery was here via Skype with us right now. I actually asked him if he was part of that, that riot last week, but apparently not. Uh, Roberto Mancini becomes the new boss of Galatasaray. Did he... Was he made aware that he does not have the transfer budget that he had at City? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, pretty much everything that Galatasaray gets. Emery will actually tell me a condone to this, but... No, it's uh, just Turkish currency. The, the, the government tends to give Galatasaray a lot of money. Their stadium that they play in now was given to them by the Turkish government. They didn't have I to mean, pay sure, the guy can win a league, but can he do fuck all in a Champions League? No. That's all that matters. I mean, I'm assuming by default Galatasaray is going to fucking clean up the Turkish league. Well, and that's the thing. is like the Turkish league. Well, right now, you get, you get Galatasaray, you got Fenerbahce, and Besiktas. Like they're the, the three yeah. kind of big clubs. Yeah. And Galatasaray won the league last year. And that's the thing. is like, okay, you are the big club, so that's the next step. That's, that's the evolution of any football club. Well, let's see become... the impact that they have in the Champs League. And Man City failed to do, like, or Mancini, Man City, that's a... Failed miserably, mm-hmm. horribly to do that the last two years in the Champs League. But he did have a sweet baby blue bike, though. <laughs> I wonder if they get a, a red and yellow one. Red and yellow, red and yellow. <laughs> uh, any, uh, who, who's, who's looking good this week? I, I know personally I think the Arsenal-Napoli game is That's the game pretty... I'm looking forward to. I have Definitely. Napoli at the Dark Horses yeah. in the Champs League. I, but uh, again, like I say, I love the football Arsenal's playing right now, but I want to see them go against more of an upper echelon team. I think Napoli will provide that right. and then it's kind of interesting and I'm looking forward to seeing the outcome of that game. It is frustrating to see just Arsenal's record in the league right now and you also look at their opponents recently too. Right, of course. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be a good stern test for Arsenal for one. And it, again, I always kind of go back. I got a little bit of love for Benitez too so it'll be nice to you know, see him do another one over Arsenal. Is that at the Emirates or is that... Uh, fact check. <laughs> well, Arsenal's been phenomenal away from home anyways, so I think that... It's... You, you're just seeing the power of one signing. Like, it's completely changed the culture of the club, right? Wait, Our, is that Aaron Ramsey, or...? Yeah. <laughs> but, he has scored a bunch you know, of goals. You know, it's funny, we, they got a Welshman uh, scoring all their goals, so are they a one-man team now? <laughs> yeah, it's funny, right, how that works. Anyway. So he's going to continue. Madrid in two years, right? <laughs> 150 million pounds. <laughs> but... 
you, you've just seen the confidence that the the team like the team almost plays different. They they say, oh, we've got this world class playmaker now. Now we're now we're legitimate. So I uh, the no, fuck, cut cut all those. I don't know. I, I think they're due to be kind of grounded in a sense. But again, I I, I don't want to count my chickens before they hatch, and I'm, I'm really curious to see how this plays out. It's actually Arsenal is at home. Is at home. <laughs> Whatever. So there's, there's no, there's no like, there's nothing there anyway. It's the Emirates, right? There's, there's no atmosphere. So I mean, does it really make a difference where they play, home or away? Yeah, it's I mean, Chris Morgan's tweets can only have so much yeah. impact. <laughs> <laughs> no, but in his mind, I swear he, to God, he if you don't win today, I'm gonna hate you forever. <laughs> he, I love you guys. All his bitching on Twitter, which I'm sure was brought to Wenger's attention, forced him to, forced him to buy. The fucking shadow. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I'm pretty sure in Piers Morgan's mind, he he signed Uziel. It wasn't Wenger. <laughs> any other any other matchups, Champions League this week that you guys are looking forward to? Well, I uh, Bayern in uh, Man City. Yeah, yeah that I'm was, looking of forward course. to that game. Another yeah. slaughter. Yeah, hopefully, Fuck City. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, but you know, like, I, I, I don't, know, I don't like, follow personally. I don't follow German football, but I mean, not as much as as people who actually support German clubs, but. You know, it's good to see that, you know, teams can actually domesticate home talent and do well. And, you know, it doesn't matter where they're from. You know, that, that's the beauty of the game, I think. Not just bringing in immigrants. Like, well, look like at we Basel. all do in the Premier League. Yeah, right. of course. Yeah, look at Basel. Eh? Like, I mean, fantastic how they beat Arsenal. I mean, anyone that beats Arsenal is fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> you, mean, you mean Chelsea? Oh, sorry, Chelsea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Even better, man. <laughs> anyway, so, you know, it, it's just good to see. Good to see teams that actually... You know, bring in home talent or, or that nurture their actual home talent. Right, well, right. It looks as though as you know, Basel might be becoming the new, the new Ajax. You know, they lose fantastic players, but they they just keep they they the yeah. Yeah. producing them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we we kind of went back on this earlier, but Man United at Shakhtar Donetsk. United's gonna lose. I think that'll be a real test for them. You know, like trying to rebound from from what they've. You know, dealt with this past weekend. Previous, I think yeah, yeah. that's a real test of like their integrity. Oh, it's it's not an easy game. I mean, you're traveling no. a long ways to Ukraine yep. to play a good team. Yeah, like they're they're not the they're not the the A. They're not you know Madrid, Bayern, uh, Barcelona, but, but they are they they're are B plus. They are just under that. They're, well, yeah. they're arguably better than West Brom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's. Be I honest. would argue that one. Yeah, yeah. let's be honest with it. Oh yeah, so it's it's a tough test. So I, I don't personally I don't see I don't see United getting a result. I don't either. I, I see them losing and possibly biased. quite comfortably. Is that old, old Trafford? No, that's in Donetsk. They're traveling to. And and you know what? Even if no matter what result happens there, you know that's going to affect what happens next week. Next right? week I know right, I know there's no right. Premier League for like about a, two weeks, but yeah, you know it's going to affect what happens next week. Whether they're, you know, uh, I, I believe like a few players are going international, right? Is that next week or the week? We, we, got, uh, uh, we got games coming up this weekend. This week? Okay, and then the week after is after's international break, right? Yeah. So, you know, so that trip to Donetsk, like you said, is going to, you know, it's going to be a huge hindrance on their, their next game in the Premier League since they're coming back to England this next weekend, right? And I might, I might be wrong, but I think we were talking about this earlier. After next weekend, United could be as low as 16th, 15th, I believe. 15th, 15th next, season, next weekend. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. It's, it's so weird it's to look at the table and see United yeah. that low. Well, they're what? 12th now. 12th, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Looking forward to uh, the weekend's games yep. in, in the Premiership. we got kicking the weekend off at 7.45 our time. Man City, Everton. That's a big game. That, Let's great, be honest, that is a big game That's right a big now, game. which is a crazy thing to think of this time. Two teams that have a lot to prove at the top. Well, you know, Everton jumped to fourth after their victory today. Right. So, I mean, they're, they're in there in the Champions League spots right now. And, Lukaku. Uh, <laughs> The best name in the fucking premiership. I mean, <laughs> Potts, two goals. I don't know. Like, I, I, th- I actually think that he, he learned from missing the, 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 the PKs in the Super Cup right. when he played for Chelsea. Well, he, he was scoring goals for, he scored, what, 17 last year for West Brom. Yep. I, I, to this day, I still don't understand why, we talked about it last week, but I, I don't understand why uh, Mourinho lets him go, or actually makes him go, not let. I don't think it's. I think it's more of a, an upper influence, and it was just like a byproduct of just like. Well, one thing I always thought about Mourinho, he never likes what he has. He always wants to bring in something else. It's he, he wants his own influence on the team. He's like, oh great, I've got this great next DDA Drogba. Uh, it's not good. Which common in any vocational capacity. You right. get a new manager in there, let's inject some new blood. But I feel like he fell victim to missing that penalty shot in the Super Cup. Yeah, exactly. Because he made him look ridiculous. He made him lose another battle to Pep Guardiola. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like, you know what? You made me look bad. You're gone. <laughs> Just go score goals but, for and, somebody and else. And now he's demanding Lewandowski in the in the winter. He's now imagine, imagine if if somehow, you know, somehow at some point this season, uh, well, by the end of the season, Everton finish above Chelsea. On the back of Romelu Lukaku's goals. Oh, that'd <laughs> that'd be so I imagine. Be but you know what? The Chelsea fans will still sing Mourinho's name. Um, yeah, fickle fans. Like we said <laughs> already in the show, so we don't need to go there again. So we also got on Saturday. Just looking ahead in the next day, but on Saturday we got uh, Liverpool and uh, Crystal Palace. So oh, that, that's a headliner. Right we there. had better win that one, or else I'll be disappointed. Yeah, Palace are going to find it hard this year. I think, like, you know... There's a... The reason why I'm looking at uh, Liverpool and and Crystal Palace is because you also have Tottenham versus West Ham. So Spurs should win that. And then you also have Arsenal versus West Brom, which Arsenal probably should win that as well. I think these are all tests of, like, these top teams to really do well against, you know, lesser teams. Um, I think if you look at any of the past years, even at United last year, you know, they've always done well against lesser teams. Um, so, you know, whoever's going to win the Premier League this year has to do well against these, these, these lower teams. There's no excuse for not beating teams in the bottom half of the table, right? So, you know, these... Well, I've always, I've always argued that the bottom 10 teams, you have to win both games every single time and then go 50% against the top teams. Yeah. <laughs> and if, if you were to do the math, that would give you enough points to win the league every single year. So... You should be almost sending out your best squads against the bottom teams and taking those six points every year. That, those are six points. Get them every year. Look, look at the scalps that have been claimed this year by bottom teams. I, I almost wonder, though, do you put your best squad against those smaller teams? Because it seems just one thing I've noticed with some clubs is like they kind of get this, you know, this, this Hercules mentality where like, we are better, so we're going to win by default, and we don't have to try as hard. Yes, or you put well. you put out the players that are you know they're trying to make a name, try to impress the manager, and they go out and they get you wins. You look at just a segue to hockey for a second. You look at the the run the Leafs had in the playoffs. What two thousand two, two thousand four? We had all the kids come up because everyone was injured. Yeah. We go to the, the semifinals, 
And then Robert's ever come back, and we fucking blew. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, moving across the continent, well, I guess across the ocean a little bit, the across English the pond, Channel, yeah. across the pond, we got uh, the Battle of the, uh, what would you call it, acetaminophen and, uh, <laughs> and the beer. That's some drug problem. Yeah. <laughs> Bayern versus Bayer. <laughs> At the Bay Arena. At the Bay Arena. In uh, Leverkusen. I think that's going to be, if, I'd say if uh, Leverkusen didn't have Champions League midweek, I mean, that, that would be a game for them to take from Bayern. But since they have to, you know, they lost their first game to United, so now they have to go and, you know, if they want, if they want to keep their Champions League dreams alive, then they have to... Then they have Typical to... Typical Polak, by the way. <laughs> then they have to, you know, go out and win midweek. So it'll, it'll be a tough game for, for uh, Bayern because, yeah, it's, it's Bayern and Dortmund at the top of the league, but... Leverkusen's nipping at the heels, and they don't like being, well, actually, they are second fiddle. But anyways, you know, you, you never want to be that second team. You, actually, they were the only team to beat Bayern last year in Munich, 2-1. Really? So, yeah. I think, you know, in fairness, I think we saw that with Dortmund in, in 1860. Like, you know, there's, there's always an extra motivation to beat these top teams, right? right? So, whether it's in the Premier League or the Bundesliga or La Liga or wherever, there's always that extra motivation when you're playing against a top team. And, I mean, we saw it this week, I guess. Is United con- still considered a top team or, or whatever? Anyway, uh, yeah. Technically, no, because no, they're in the bottom half of the table. So. Right, right. So, so you know. they even been getting time on the spot? I think when it all boils down to it, though, it is a lack of respect. Like, regardless of it who is. you're Agreed. playing, yeah, yeah. it's either like you're gloating, like gloating manifested, and you play your second string and you fucking rest your, your, your stars, right. or you just give these... Give whatever the, 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 the team that you're playing, you give them the match that they deserve. And I just pe- think people, teams, major clubs, take that for granted. And that's Underestimation what, of... Yeah. yeah, and that's what yeah. makes the Premier League, the Bundesliga, such a great league is because they do take that for granted right. and it makes for good, unpredictable football. One thing I'm curious, I, I obviously I don't see a lot of German football. I, I see Champions League games, whatever... There's some big Bayern match. I'll see that or whatever. Uh, I don't have gold TV. Drop the so. quote. <laughs> Drop the stat. <laughs> uh, so my, my question is, though, because uh, Lever- Leverkusen, why aren't they better defensively? They got fucking Sam Hupia running the team. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I'll drop the stat right now, but... Uh, Boom. It, it's not... <laughs> Boom. <laughs> it's, it, it's no secret... It's no secret that the Bundesliga is not the best defensive, uh, defensively. But th- it's a counter-attacking league. What, was stalwarts like Murtazacker holding the line there? <laughs> Fucking turning radius of the turtle. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I read something interesting. Well, I think for the past probably about 10 years, the Bundesliga has had the most average goals per game every year. And right now they're on pace at 3.63 goals per game. Out of 63 games this year, there's not been one 0-0 game. Oh, shit. Yeah. And yet Americans say, your game's boring. You guys play 1-1 games, 1-0 well, games. maybe if we had seven goals. And it goes beyond that, though. It goes beyond breaking, like, even, like, the people who are, like, avid and staunch supporters of the BPL. But, like, they have some of the best commentary, too. Like, it is, like... I can't talk impartially, right? right? But I mean, it is phenomenal football to watch. Like, well, uh, when 
uh, Dortmund beat uh, Bayern in uh, I don't know what it was called the Super Cup or something uh, the Ger the German Super Cup I believe four two uh, Pep said it, it was really eye opening for Pep because he said I learned in the German league you really have to control the counterattacks because that's where everything was right. that, that that's where everything's made in the counterattack that was his first match wasn't it. No. no, he had the preseason, but that, that was his first maybe meaningful first match, and right, Dortmund yeah. you know, spanked yeah. them. And yeah. every goal was made from a Bayern failed attack. Like, and made them look like bitches. Well, he had, he had Thiago playing as and a number crazy. six. So he, he, he had an attack-minded you know, um, attack player playing as a holding midfielder, and so his natural instincts are to push forward. And what did, what did Dortmund do? They're you know, find that space and walk right they, through. They, they just, you know, they, they took all the attack, you know, they, they consumed it, and then they just broke free, and every, every, every goal was pretty much a, um, you know, like a four-on-three going the other way. We saw it even this week with, like, 1860 and Dortmund, you know, like, as far superior as Dortmund were to 1860, you know, the, the scoreline obviously wasn't reflective of, of what the game was, but, you know, 1860 did have chances on the counter. So yeah. that, that really does show, you know, the... the the, the grassroots, the development, yeah, the foundation, everything yeah. like that. So, like, I'm not trying to preach to the converted, nor am I trying to Monday morning quarterback this shit. But, I mean, like, last year, my brother and I, we knew FC Bayern was not only going to win everything, but they were going to do it convincingly. And we weren't going to accept anything else. Like, well, what I was it? with you guys, and you saw yeah, how excited I, I was, but I was, that wasn't like... Whoa, this is a surprise. This is like, no, we were going to smash Barcelona, predicted yeah. by my brother, and like we were going to walk through everything. I, and like, I said that. I go, this is going to be aggregate 6 7 0. Yeah. I remember, I, yeah, I remember you, you saying that before, before the semifinals. And that wasn't even me being a fucking homer. <laughs> that, that was me saying, they are yeah. going to smash them. Yeah. I, I remember, yeah, I remember the day of the, of the final. Like we were all hanging out, and yeah, the, it wasn't just like we're excited that we're probably going to win. No, it was like just like. Beyond exuding confidence of and we're like, going to do fucking that. I'm always like it more pessimistic even... than optimistic, but it was like no, it's a formality, right. which was which was weird that, that that I had that, and I mean, I don't know. It, it was it was even get like close. it did, <laughs> but and that that, that last minute goal was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even like it was like the arrogance either. It was just no. yeah. all these people. Oh, you know they. They, they've drawn Barcelona now, and it's just, you know, to, to the Fairweather fan that just, you know, they started watching football five years ago, and no, oh, Dortmund's my, or not Dortmund, uh, Barcelona's my team now. No, Man City, you man. Know, because, <laughs> man City's my club, yo. Yeah, maybe yeah, you're from yeah. the Middle East. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it was just, you, you saw everything uh, that... Uh, you saw a changing of the guard, as far as I'm concerned, right. with football. Any other just... Open table topics and wants to bring up at the moment. Oh man, just come on, you Spurs. That's about it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, what's you know, interesting it's, thing it's, here is it, it, it's Spurs related, but like totally unbiased or whatever is, you know, sure. uh, Adebayor, <laughs> um, you know, was training. With, or his his brother died. I don't know if you guys knew that. Yeah. His brother died in Togo this past year, so he's been training with. You know, apparently there was a falling out with him and AVB, and. He's been training with the with the under twenty ones for the past I don't know I believe it was about the past month, uh, and so we just recently started training with the first team. I don't know if that's a coincidence that we can't score goals in open play, 
or yeah. that like he actually is starting to prove himself again because if anybody remembers in the Premier League two years ago or two seasons ago you know him with Van der Vaart and Modric were fantastic right and anybody that watches Premier League would, would know that for sure yeah, for sure for um, sure you know again like totally unbiased but you know that's when he was at his prime you know even for that the, I still remember the, the run season. of the Emirates yeah, oh, of course. You know, again, two seasons come to mind. One at City and one when he went to Madrid. He played fantastic both years. We know he's capable of doing these things, but he's just that unique player that he's a bit of a mercenary. You know, he's like, he chases the money a little no, bit. Perfect. So, yeah, you know, yeah that, I love that term. Yeah, yeah. It, you know, so anyway, I'm just excited to see actually what happens with him. I have no hard or good feelings towards him. I just want to see, like, you know, what happens now. It's just an interesting, interesting scenario. And this one we refer to uh, our FIFA playing son, man. <laughs> Arpzanski. Boy. Is Toronto FC still shit? Still shit. After 4 yeah. 1, I don't care. You won 4 1 against the worst team in the fucking league. Really? Oh, is you they, mean they're not the worst actually, team in the league? <laughs> well, is the TFC still shit? Is the Baron Captivity still shit in the zoo? <laughs> like, honestly, like. The, oh. yeah. Horrible. Horrible. I need a beer. And these out. <laughs> well, this, is, uh, this was episode two of uh, the footy chat, and we will see everyone, or I guess you can hear us. You wouldn't see shit. <laughs> we'll post pictures. Yeah. We'll post, we'll, we'll post some, uh, some selfies later. Have a good week, and fuck off. <laughs>